What up, what up, what up, what up, what up? It's M. Andrew here for episode five, 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 five. Um, and my co-host Adrian Harris is sitting in his depressed funk because this is like take eight, maybe three. It's three. But this is like it, three it, hours. This is three hours going here. Um, so this just means we're going to be great. So listen, if you guys have been following us on Anchor, we are going to be doing it properly at this point. Differently. We're doing it properly <laughs> because we uh, apparently we're playing on Anchor. Anchor, we're still going to be rocking with you as soon as you get your ish together. Um, <laughs> apparently you don't right now. So um, we're going to keep it moving. Talk to us, though. You know, let us know what's really good out here, what after is going you, on. After you get that long, expressive email from Mr. Harris. I think I would be a little bit more vulgar than than he would. So, um, you want to tell us about our first guest, our new friend of the pod? So um, tonight we're we're bringing you episode number five. Um, the question is how your environment influences your creativity. Um, once again, Adrian Harris here, uh, Michael Andrew, and our first guest of the pod, as Michael Andrew said, Miss um, Michelle is here. Hello, everybody. Um, for the fourth time. For, for the, the fourth time. time. Yeah. She is a uh, she's a talented <laughs> interior designer, um, and uh, that's where we're we're gonna get right into it because it sounds very scripted, and I want to get past the scripted part. <laughs> well, so then now we can do the introduction for her because she's had to to rehearse it four times <laughs> like, well, inadvertently. So super creative. Super into all things expression-driven yes. as well. Yes. So poet, mm -hmm. singer, songwriter. Did you sing as well? I do, but it's closeted. So thanks for Sh pointing that out. <laughs> shower, shower singer? Oh, yeah. She got, she got, shower singer. She got some hits in the shower. Uh, so painter, I'm assuming. Uh, dabble. We'll dabble in a little art. A little, yes. art. little sculpture. I have done little that. A little oil. Yeah. Medias, not oil. abstracts of any. Okay, I just gotta go, go down. You got into a lot of details. We gotta there. go. I gotta jump down that rabbit hole. Photography. Photography. Photography okay. Yes. Uh huh. And but professionally now, because we could keep on going down. Yep, interior yep, yep. design. Okay. Now, and I did want to ask you this: so Is this commercial as well as no. per personal? Okay. Just personal. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's a good, a so, good conversation to. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna um, get into this, and we want to know. How do you look at your clients and their creativity and what drives your creativity in your environment for your interior design? Like your and then on top of that is, is home interior design. So this it's a little more personal. Sorry, to, to kind of give everyone the, the frame where we're sitting here in, in my corporate office, it's not my company, but it's the company I work for um, at the time. And so uh, a little bit of a sterile corporate environment, typical cube farm and everything, not as creative. But Michelle, I would like for you to exp uh, explain how intimate, how that process is when you're in someone's space. Like that, I mean, that's that's the inner layer. That's the that's the core of their being, and how creativity influences that, and where where you pull from it. Mm -hmm. So um, naturally, um, I feel like I have a creative bone in my body. Um, but when I go into somebody's home, I'm literally going into a stranger's home, and they are welcoming a stranger into their home. Um, I then am able to take a sneak peek into their life. I'm able to see little snippets of either their travels, 
um, what they've even done in the day, if they're coffee drinkers, their pets, um, things like that. Um, so it does get a little bit more personal. Um, I get an insight to what their style is. Even if they don't know what their style is, I'm able to see it. And um, I definitely take that in into consideration instead of being a typical designer and saying, no, this is what you're going to have in your house because this is what looks good. Shots fired. <laughs> Shots fired at all those, at all you other, you non-listening, arrogant other designers. Michelle says she be listening. Well, I think I'm there's a different aspect. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? No, I didn't say that. I'm, I'm a newer designer than mm -hmm. most desi like designers that I've, I've worked with designers myself that mm -hmm. have asked me for advice. Awesome. Um, but what I see is that they get so busy and they have, have such a larger clientele mm -hmm. that it ends up being so impersonal that they yeah. end up just going, okay, this is what you need. You need a chair. This this is the chair that you're getting. Okay. It's nothing about getting to know them or their mm -hmm. personality. Um, like for an example, I was telling Adrian this, that I had a, a customer that she already had the layout of the room, so I didn't really have to take measurements. I sat down with her and had a conversation about pieces that were in her home. That's mm -hmm. how personal I like to make mm -hmm. it. Even if I had a large clientele, that people would have to wait because that's the kind of thing I don't ever want to lose. I think that mm -hmm. that has opened me up and that has made me better as a creative person yeah. um, to take that insight and to absorb it and really get to know the client. So creation is, so would you say then that creation uh, has certain inception with listening? Like, so do we need to create a more attentive environment I think for. that would help with everything in the world <laughs> absolutely yes everyone needs to listen more um, I think that if we did that then not only would everybody be happier but I think a lot of people would be more successful because you're mm. also catering to someone when they're asking for your services yeah they're they're like yeah you're the designer or um, stylist take the wheel mm. but it's just to guide them. It's just to be like, here, this is what I see in you. This is what I see um, would be great in your home or great for you to wear in your case. Um, I think that we definitely all need to listen a lot more. So I want to add another layer to that. I, I think that I do agree that we should listen, but I think that we all should be more observant. Like, I think that's yeah. something that where you can look at a, a client or look at a, uh, a person and understand, like, and truly observe and truly let it be a studying effect where you're observing like, their certain movements um, from a style perspective, how they move throughout the day, mm -hmm. um, which you, you've done, you know, I, I'll put it, here's the plug, style architect, I'm a client, he observes my movements throughout the day and everything. Um, but understanding how that works. Um, Good job. And <laughs> I'm not only the I'm not only a member. I'm not only the president. I'm a member. I'm a member. <laughs> um, I think that's you know that, that observation. I think that we need to you know hear. We need to listen. We need to watch. We need to study. Um, I think that's missing in the creative world. I think where it's a lot, especially now with where creativity is, is running so fast and it's being put out so so quickly mm. that I think it's a lot of here's you know it's it's a, it's imposing. Like what Michelle said, hey, I'm imposing my creativity on you yeah. with never listening to the client and understanding those client needs. Like, I come from an architectural background. I see, I'm a, come from an architectural background, I'm a commercial builder, and I see it all the time with 
clients will get this beautiful building. It looks great, you know, on time, on budget, all that stuff, but it, it doesn't function for them. Mm-hmm. Because the, the, the architect or the designer says, hey, I just want to design, I, I got this idea, it's great, but never really truly listens mm-hmm. to the end users. And I, I think that's where um, creatives get wrapped up in their own environment. They get into their own bubble. They get they wrap themselves in, and I've done it in, in school. I will wrap myself and die for my design, regardless of what it works or not work. So is that then creativity? So if, if I'm if if creativity requires presence, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm stuck in my own thought process of how something is going to be developed and and quote unquote for lack of a better term created. But I'm not observing, and that's why I tried to use attentive instead of listening. Mm-hmm. We need to be attentive, attentive to our environments, our own personal environments as right. well. Like right now, um, I'll get to that in a second. Is that is that being creative? Because, um, for instance, right now I was listening to uh, our our mutual Adrian and I's mutual podcast, uh, Corporate Lunch, on with GQ, and one of the things that uh, one of the um, editors was talking about was doing a pre-spring, like a massive pre-spring cleaning. And so um, I'm consolidating my space and now I have junk everywhere <laughs> in my house. And like literally the last four days. If you're days, looking for interior designers, I happen to know one. You happen to know one. She's very talented. <laughs> She's very talented. <laughs> There's a um, plug. Um, and so, but it's been interesting because this is like right now I just need to clear space. Mm-hmm. And it's been debilitating to a, a certain extent because as a creator um you know and and wanting to push out content now it's like i gotta move all this stuff out of the way what am i going to do with it i should sell it but quite frankly i don't feel like having to deal with the headache of selling it maybe i should just store. so can from an interior standpoint can the clutter constrict um, creativity and from that expertise that you have how would you say that it does so absolutely I think that it definitely can I've had to deal with say there's just a large piece of furniture that does not fit into mm-hmm. the space mm-hmm. like literally does not fit but they're trying to squish it in there you um, did that a few times in New York <laughs> <laughs> a few times. Um, and they're saying it's not it can't go anywhere mm-hmm. um, that definitely does hinder my creative um, mm. Just based on the fact that I can't move around something that is stuck. Yeah. Um, um, it does cause a problem. <laughs> um, when I am faced with that, I tell them that this is my design without it. And I mean, at that point, I have to. Mm. Because it's not even about, okay, I'm attached to this piece. It's, mm. I bought this sofa and it cost this much money. And mm. it's a very large sofa and I know it doesn't fit, but I need to keep it because I spent this much money mm. on it. At that point, you need to sell the sofa. <laughs> you do, because mm-hmm. it's not only about, I mean, I have to live with the sofa I spent a lot of money on, but that's all you're gonna think about. I'm living in, on the sofa. You're never gonna be comfortable in the space because mm-hmm. all you're gonna think about is all the money you spent on this giant sofa that you have to fit in this tiny space. Mm-hmm. Rather than go ahead and sell the sofa and I will help create um, a nice living space that you actually feel comfortable in mm-hmm. and then you know your investment was worth it because you now feel very comfortable. So at that point, you do have to kind of take the wheel and just give that interior designer advice 
and and it's not that you're not listening because you are mm-hmm. and because you are and you're almost you care so much because that's what I feel like I care about your well-being in the space yeah, that exactly. I don't want to give you garbage yeah right. I'm not gonna give you a design that has something that I don't agree with yeah. at all because it's not gonna make you comfortable and I know that yeah so at that point definitely like it does hinder it but there there is a way to kind of handle that yeah mm-hmm very true. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm defeated over here. No, I mean, so I was going to add, so, so to, to go deeper there. For the people who are frustratingly difficult. How does that, because again, this is not, this is for us, you know, uh, ladies and gentlemen listening. Um, it, this is for a create, from a creative standpoint, creatives who are creating but for the people who just have to exist in it every day um, and who are just like, I just refuse to let go of something, how does that then impact the energy of the space? And I wanted to, to set the context with that because creativity to me has always been energy. It's always the pull string or the rubber band that's pulling you back in order to bring you forward, mm-hmm. right? to propel you into the day, to your month, to your presentation, to the people around you. And so when you have that, <clears throat> that elephant in the room, that, mm-hmm. that gargantuan piece or that gargantuan, you know, um, just design flaw for those people, because inevitably you got to let certain people just be hard. They're, mm-hmm. they're, you know, A-types or they're just extremely bullheaded. Cool. I got to let you be in that space. Upon a follow-up, how does that then affect their ability to just have energy to create energy when they need to um and not just necessarily something that is going to be uh conceptual mm-hmm. but just i gotta get up and i gotta move throughout the day how would you say right. that that ends up affecting um, well like you said it's about energy and they're coming to you as a professional to help them build the energy that they want exactly. so if you are actually giving them advice and mm-hmm. they do not want it, then that's up to them. They warrant whether they take it or not. Yeah. All my job is to do is to present it to you. Mm-hmm. I'm presenting this design to you. If you like it, you can pick it apart and choose the pieces that you want to keep mm-hmm. and what you don't and keep the big giant sofa and just add in everything else that I've put together. Okay. Like you can do that. That's, un- that's under your own discretion, your own decisions. That's up to you. Mm-hmm. Would I agree with it as a professional? No, I wouldn't agree yeah. with it as a professional because I'm trying to create the space that you told me we want. Mm-hmm. Um, I now have they now have they ever come back after you, they they fought you and gave and said you know what you're right. Absolutely, you're right. <laughs> we'll do it your way. Absolutely, I've had that, and then I've had the total opposite. Um, but it was more towards the beginning of when I was designing. Okay. Um, and I think that that was also something really important that I had to go through so mm-hmm. that I can understand where I need to put my foot down okay. and where I need to be like, okay, I'm, maybe I need to revisit this for you. Yeah. Um, so I think that I've, I've had that experience. Okay. I've had the experience <laughs> where, where people are like, no. Um, like, I mean, people have come to me and said, you're right. And then I have people where they're like, I bought everything and I still don't want to do it. I still want to keep my big giant sofa. So, and they'll return everything else. So I've had that, okay. I had that experience. That was like one of my first or second designs that I ever okay. did. And it was really, it was really frustrating because I, at the time, didn't understand 
what my value was as a designer. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is something really important that any kind of designer or stylist needs to kind of grasp yeah. before they even get into it. Um, because if not, then you're gonna kind of get run over by the client. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's something that is really interesting as a, as a creative, I, and especially dealing with clients, um, when, you're, when you're performing a service um, from a creative standpoint for a client, I think that we, as creatives sometimes underestimate. We underestimate how, what their emotional attachment is to certain mm -hmm. things, and mm -hmm. we overestimate how much we are truly attached to our design. And um, I feel like that once we start to move some of that emotion out of the picture, and understanding that, hey, there might be something down the road that will happen, because I, I I'm leading to a, a story, obviously, but the, the story was, um, when I first moved to New York, beautiful couch. Beautiful couch. It worked when I when, when we were here in Atlanta. Moved to New York, measured the couch. Couch was fit in the space. Couch fit up the first flight of stairs. We were on the third floor. Couch did not fit beyond a second landing. <laughs> I was in emotionally like, mind you, this is like the last thing that got, came out of the moving truck, and um, became extremely emotional about it. Realized it wasn't gonna fit. Put it in the storage. Had it in the storage for a year and a half just trying to figure out what to do with the couch. And I was emotionally attached to it. And as the time went on, and, and, and got it, same thing, paid a lot of money, paid a lot for Brooklyn storage fees. This, this, this couch. For a year. <laughs> for a year yeah. and a half. I'm sorry. Okay. For a year and a half. And let it go. And like two weeks later, I was like, the regret. And that's what I think a lot of clients don't understand. Like you have this emotion that's tied to it. And you have to, you know, can you, you know, can you design, do you have, are you forced to design something that is so great that it overpowers that regret? Um, okay, so I heard a couple of things in there that I want to touch base on. So there was one thing that you said about, like, having the client be so emotionally attached to a piece of furniture mm -hmm. that you're trying to feel like you have to listen to that and not say, hey, you need to get rid of it. Right. So as much as I make it personal, I also have to detach myself. Mm -hmm. um, I make it personal to the point when it comes to me designing. Mm -hmm. When it comes to me designing, I'm going to make it personal. I'm going to want to know about you. I'm going to want to know how I connect interior design with your style mm -hmm. or bringing out what your style is. But once I present, that's where I draw the line. When I present, that's where I have, well, I mean, that's where I have my, where I kind of separate myself and not make it so personal anymore. Mm -hmm. You can't make it personal when you're presenting your design. Mm -hmm. Because when, when you do, if they say, I don't like this, you're like, hold on. Why you don't like me? <laughs> you know, like, you can't be that way in any kind of industry. Closing up my portfolio, I'm going home. You can't be that way. So you have to have, as much as you make it personal, you have to be able to know when to guard yourself or separate yourself from the client. Once you present, you have, you've done your creative part. You presented, this is my creative part. Now you decide what you want to do. You don't want to let go of that sofa. You don't have to let go of that right. sofa. It's not in my living room. Right. <laughs> I have listened to what you said. Mm -hmm. I will give you a second option of what I think will be a, a, give you more, a nicer energy in the room. Mm -hmm. right. But at the end of the day, if that sofa will bring you to tears in two weeks after <laughs> selling it, I don't want you to go.
go through that either. So go ahead and make that decision. I'm here to make the creative decision. You're here to make more of the harder decisions. What am I going to purchase? What am I going to invest in? Mm -hmm. So the, the, the home is a very intimate space. Like there's, you know, to go through some architecture, there used to be that parlor room. That was like where unknown people went and it was the space behind that parlor room was where it became more intimate. It was always this design of public, private, and then there's that semi-public, semi-private, which I think are kind of the same thing, um, spaces. But what's really intimate are the clothes that you wear. And I want to hear your perspective, your perspective, Mike Landrieu, on your, pressure, your experience. Pressure on me. Comparing Atlanta to everything else. <laughs> right. um, what's your experience? Because, I mean, that, that is really intimate. Like, I can, I can imagine... I, Personally, you and I had some very tough conversations editing the wardrobe, and I, I had. <laughs> so they were tough for me. Right. They weren't tough for me. That is going to be interesting to hear. Like, but um, no, I mean. Do you make it more personal or? Yeah, like, I mean, so well, so three things I, I was actually going to touch on with you, which after I, I address uh, Adrian, um, no, is because it still kind of ties into everything, which was flow, right? Because one of the things that you told me, you taught me about even when it came to architecture, was the way a house can flow. And how you can direct somebody oh, simply you, through. Out here, um, I have a bachelor's in architecture. Yeah, I was out here listening, paying right. attention. You know, I audited <laughs> a little quick. Um, so I think that, but I, I think that even to your point, one of the things that I wanted to kind of go a little down that rabbit hole was to say, when I'm listening to something, there's a great book. I'm about to pull it up. I start we doing need that. an intern. Um, yeah, I'm about to pull it up, but. Uh, it was it was by a um, a young lady who got her doctorate in clinical psychology, um, and then actually incorporated that into fashion. Um, and now um, fashion psychology is now becoming a very real thing. It's been introduced uh, and had been introduced over the last uh, two and a half years. And this year, I'll be looking to get into figuring out what I need to do in order to get certification and things of that nature. Anyone, I'm going to put it out there, if there's anyone that has that fashion psychology, psychology um, and they're interested in um, just putting out knowledge, contact us. Um, there you go. You yeah. know where we're at on Instagram. Matter of fact, we didn't even say this. Sorry. Keep that thought. Uh, follow us on Instagram. Uh, jump down the rabbit hole on Instagram. We're putting out uh, some great graphical content. Twitter. Um, we're on Twitter. Uh, Have we tweeted yet? Yes, it's uh, JDRH is our Twitter handle. It's JDRH Podcast is our Twitter handle. Um, follow us. We're going to um, ramp that up. Facebook and Tumblr are coming soon. Um, but continue that. Tumblr is going to be interesting. Um, <laughs> I, wonder how, I wonder what we're going to create there. Uh, but no, so, so there's a psychology. Um, and part of the reason why Style Architects, if you know me, then you know the story. I apologize. But Style Architects came into play because... Um, me and mutual friend of Adrian and I were having a conversation. She was like, yo, man, you're, you're kind of like an architect. You're building people's wardrobes. This was um, before he met me. This was, yeah. <laughs> but he, he helped reinforce it. But, um, but we, so we spelled tech. So the, the latter part of um, architect is spelled T-E-X-T-S. And that initially uh, was because text was the, the normal way it was already taken. But it ended up taking us down another road where we started to realize we're building stories. Um, and each, you know, if, if a picture is worth a thousand words, that image that we're presenting is worth a thousand words, then each and every day we're giving somebody either a statement or a narrative or a chapter of our life, right? So 
in those spaces, we get very emotional with these stories. We get very emotional with um, how we see ourselves. My primary focus is men, and men are image-driven. That's what stimulates us, um, but a lot of men forget that that's, that image is what they have to Mirror. see <laughs> first thing in the morning. Uh-huh. And so I need that to be stimulating. Mm-hmm. Even if you're like, man, I got a beer belly. Oh, man, I'm balding. Oh, man, like... Yeah, shave it off, sorry. <laughs> I'm, 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 I, I, I have no hair on my head, but not by, by choice, not by nature. Yeah, well, see, mine is starting to come by nature. But, like, so you have all these things that you start observing. <laughs> you know, it's just, yeah, my, my grandmother saw me this over Christmas holiday. She loved me. So, um, but, so, in those spaces, we're telling ourselves these sto- stories. So, I have to be very mindful of the narrative and the story behind what it is you're purchasing. The young lady, um, in the book that I read, she would say that she would have this conversation with this person and they may have something that was way in the back of their uh, closet and she would ask them, well, why do you still have this piece? When was the last time you wore it? Mm-hmm. Wore it seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but why do you still have it? Because it made me feel sexy. It made me feel alluring. It made me feel confident. It made me feel charming. And so because, because of those things, I think it's important that we address the emotion um, that is tied to that... Um, to that object because it seems inanimate, but it carries so much value for that person um, that uh, somebody, I was just listening to something today that was talking about belief versus fact, or actually I read something and it says, unfortunately, um, people, if they believe something, all they need is this, you know, and I'm squeezing my, my fingers and my thumb together really, really tight because that's all they need in order to hold on to that belief, even if there are unwavering, mitigated all the facts, facts, all the right, it sounds very presidential. Yes, <laughs> we're yes. Not, it's, we don't really talk politics <laughs> on this podcast, and that's it. We're not, yes, I'm, but, we're not going down that rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, yeah, because I can't go down there. I'm gonna get caught somewhere uh, like way <laughs> at the top. Like I don't know what I'm talking. Because uh, I mean, I, I was listening to Angela Rye's uh, podcast today. And Future friend of the pod, Angela. You want Angela around the podcast? Heck yeah, Angela's dope. I feel like you got a crush on Angela. Angela's beautiful. No, I don't Com- want. Common come I don't. Do well, first of all, I don't want no parts of Angela Rye in real real life because she would, she might hurt me, hurt my feelings. Um, but, but what I'm saying is, in those spaces, I think that is very important, even from a furniture standpoint, um, for us to address it before we remove it. So Absolutely. even, you know, so like I loved that what you were talking about is she has to listen. I have to pay attention even when I'm dealing with men because I also have to deal with the ego mm-hmm. um, with a lot of men of, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know, because we're afraid to say, oh, I don't know that. I was listening to Tim Ferriss' um, podcast, again, another future friend of the pod, Tim. We got a lot of friends out here. In my mind, <laughs> Tim is mentoring and everything. But he was talking about the fact that when he networks, he'll mm-hmm. go out and he'll say, certain things like, he said, I always come in at a place of humility and I'll say, if they're making mention of something that he's unaware of, he'll be like, excuse me, um, Adrian, interrupt you guys, but can you tell me what that is? Cause I'm, I'm new and I'm to this area and I'm just trying to learn. And it opens up so much for that, for that space. And so I think that for me, I have to be a learner of the person I have to be a listener of that person and then also pay attention to the energy that those things are going to evoke because, again, in my mind, I can see something that looks ratty 
mm-hmm. or it's something that is is not great from my visual standpoint. But if I'm listening to that person and there's a difference between something not necessarily working and then something that needs to be revived, right? Mm-hmm. Like watching the HGTV and you be like, they're gonna throw that. No, we're not gonna throw it away. Right. We're gonna we're gonna <laughs> reupholster this. Right. But but you know and but then there's certain times you see that and you're like, but you gotta let that go. Right. Like, I know that you no, think there, that we could. There's a lot of things in, in yeah. interior design. There's a lot of pieces that exactly. people think is junk, and I'm like, no, wait, yeah. wait, 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 this is not junk. Yeah. Like, like you can't get rid of this. <laughs> I'm the one telling you. Right. You're not um, emotionally tied to right? this. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I'll, I'll take my, it off. My grandmother's grandmother's. It's really ancient. Okay, that's why. Yes, it's just all right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I understand that. Yeah. That, that point of view completely. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's it's, 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 it's measuring, yes, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and it's measuring, it's measuring mm-hmm. the value of the story, mm-hmm. um, because there is value in the story. We can talk about a gentleman who went to a um, auction, had a nineteen forty. I want to say 1941 Rolex. Um, uh, and don't quote me on the, because somebody's going to be a, a fact checker. In turn, whenever you get here, you can fact check me. But he had, uh, you know, a, a rare watch that he had from, when was World War II? Because my dates are on. Oh, I, I okay. am. Right. Okay. Uh, World yeah. War II. World War II, <laughs> that era. Right? So he goes out, and he had the paperwork, had everything right. for it. But even if he wouldn't have, it still would have been a valuable watch. The watch ended up being $175,000. Um, that was worth to him. I mean, the guy ended up breaking down into tears uh, because for him, it was, the, it was a watch that he had. He valued it right. and he appreciated it, but um, but its value actually had attributes to its story. And so I think that that's an important um, an important conversation that uh, we as creators have to have, and that people individually have to have. Like, why am I tied to these things? Am I tied to it because it costs a lot of money and and right. and and even if it costs a lot of money, was there value in it? What, what I've also seen in, in my experiences is I've seen people kind of cash something aside. Like we all have that two-year-old inside of us. They'll cash something aside until someone else shows interest in it. And then you're like, wait a second. Like I mean, I've, I've done that. I've done that with right. I've done that with. I've done that with clothes. Like hey, you know, hey, hey, prime example. I was like, Michael Andrew, I don't need this. And he was like, oh, this is dope. And I'm like, shoot. <laughs> I'm like, maybe, maybe I do. This. Can Maybe I, I do need that. And so uh, um, I feel that, you know, there, uh, in my experience, especially when, when going through, like, older home renovations and architectural, people are like, you know, I just need to get rid of this property. I need to tear all this out. And I'm like, you sure you want to tear out that stained glass? Yeah, stained glass is old. You know, that's a Tiffany stained glass from, like, the mid, you know, 1800s. Wait, wait, wait a second. And that, that perception drastically yeah, that's, changes. That's something I want to ask you about. Because um, in California, everything is about labels. Label this, label that. <laughs> and in, I feel like in a more creative sense, mm-hmm. a label wouldn't, shouldn't matter so much. Um, okay. So, well, just because I feel like you can find, like you said, you can find value in things that mm-hmm. probably do not have an actual great, Okay. Value. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk about that. Yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm bringing it up so that yeah. you can talk about yeah. it. So if there is, I don't know, say just like if you were to compare two jackets or something, one of them had a label on it, one of them didn't, but the one that didn't was way more fashionable. Mm-hmm. 
Like, how would you handle that? Like, how do you feel about that? Um, I think we'd have the same conversation that we would have when it comes to interior design mm -hmm. in this sense that I can have something that has a name behind it mm -hmm. for the quality shit. Mm -hmm. Right, and then I can have something with no Zara. name behind it. <laughs> well, not even necessarily Zara. I mean, that's a carryover from the last. Yeah, we are still getting that, still venting <laughs> about that. Zara, we love you though, kind of. I guess don't I, come I for have, us. I have, I have no love. <laughs> don't come no. for us. But you can come for me. <laughs> I don't want the. I don't want them lawyers. <laughs> um, but but there's a great so there's a great documentary for the listeners out there. Um, Adrian and I have both seen it called Blue Gold. Um, Wait, pause. Sorry. This is an amazing documentary on Netflix. I advise anyone and everyone out there that yeah. has a little inkling of style or fashion or anybody that loves vintage clothing, anybody that thinks denim is done and is unprofessional or it has no value to go That's watch what I felt like. this um, this is on it's on Netflix. Um, it's still on it should still be. It's on still on Netflix. Netflix. What is it like called? It's called Blue Gold. Blue Gold. And it is about the essentially the history of denim. Okay. Um, and so Levi Strauss, uh, first denim maker, um, known denim maker, <laughs> yes, it's fair, um, started out denim. So there are certain um, pieces that may have been found in mines and that are ripped and have all these, have this quote unquote damage to it that are not necessarily wearable, but they've become art. Mm -hmm. um, where they become artifacts. Mm -hmm. um, and then those were going for, uh, what, $60,000, $70,000 maybe at that point. <laughs> right. Um, there was a $125,000 pair of jeans um, that were sold in there. But again, you're looking at it and you're not seeing anything that would speak to that. But the value comes in the story. Uh, there's a, a, a piece that he talks about where the pockets are a burlap brown with a uh, different type of rivet. And the reason being was because it was during World War II where they were trying to conserve Metal fabric and, 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 and uh, finishing fabric. Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, that drove the price up because it's a very rare find. And so labels, but, well, and, because, you know, butt negates everything else that I just said. <laughs> so, and, um, it's important to also remember that we are all labeling ourselves, mm -hmm. whether we, you know, it's one of the things that I was just listening to. Great uh, podcast called Business of Fashion Podcast, where they're talking about gender roles mm -hmm. um, nowadays. And and I just kept on wrestling with the fact that they're like, we're, you know, we're, we need to be a gender neutral or gender less type of society. And I was like, my wrestling with that is, well, and I don't want to say that they quoted that. That's what I heard. Let me be clear about that. <laughs> um, allegedly. Yeah, <laughs> allegedly. But that's what I heard because they had, um, different different uh, types of people in those spaces who were identifying with different things. And so we are labeling ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, I label myself on a, on a consistent basis. When I'm dealing with clients, I try to create a label for them because it actually, to me, is in within the confines of something that creativity really can thrive. It's when we say that, oh, you, and I'm sure you can probably attest to this, and I would love to hear your thoughts, if you say, we're going to go into a world market, and I want a little bit of everything, you're going to be like, this is not going to look any type of, of good. So even when I'm talking to a client, I'll tell them, listen, that's fine if you're driven by a label, but what labels are you driven by? Because again, 
you may just see if I'm and I don't work with ladies. Ladies, I'm sorry. My knees are sore after about four or five should. years. Y'all are different. Oh, we're not gonna, but we different. Y'all are different. <laughs> Let me oh, not get in trouble. I love y'all. Over here. Hold on. No, 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 no. I mean, it's, um, it's a legitimate reason, but we're not gonna. But, <laughs> but if I'm talking to somebody and I say, you know, I have a guy like, oh man, it's a Gucci suit. Great, it's awesome. The Gucci suit is gonna run you about three thousand um, dollars. It's usually not made of the best quality, although a lot of those designers are starting to get back to fine tailoring. Right. And then I can show you something that is, let's say, uh, Atalini, which is a seven or eight thousand dollars suit. Name dropping. Um, <laughs> you know, I know a little something. No, but uh, but, but that's good. So but, right. Yeah. So, but but again, if you know that that person's like seven thousand dollars, man, I'm not. But they don't understand. When the, and they're also only looking at the label. I know Gucci. I know right. Tom Ford. Mm-hmm. You know, I know. And Tom Ford is a is more of a qualitative brand than Gucci would be when it comes to tailoring. But they don't understand the aesthetics. It's no different than if I'm talking to a street cat who has diamonds all in his watch, and then go to see somebody who has uh, Artemar Paget uh, or a you know IWC. And that watch is dwarfing that diamond encrusted watch because of the different mechanisms that are in it. Those labels are important to a certain degree because they do create identifiers, mm-hmm. um, but they should not. They shouldn't minimize who you are. It's it's you know it's uh. But when does it come to like the label labeling you rather than when you have no I mean, identity? To me. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. When yes. do you kind of draw the line between, okay, I'm not going to dress you and dress Gucci because you know Gucci and you want Gucci. So we take a or step back. Do you go, I, yes. you know what I mean? Like yeah, I, I, instead of making it more, because I feel like your creative design as far as styling mm-hmm. is, is a more personal mm-hmm. thing. You kind of want to show, okay, whatever you're feeling, that's what you're going to express through mm-hmm. your clothing. So if that's the case, I feel like you wouldn't, at least in my opinion. You're wrong. No, <laughs> You wouldn't normally just go, okay, you like Gucci, not yeah. what you like, yeah, so yeah. I'm dress you in Gucci. Yeah, but so so I think it, it's, it's a personal... Yeah, with us, it's the same thing. I would have to sit down with them and say, listen, what? first and foremost, let's take a look at your life. Are you married? Mm-hmm. No, I'm not married. Um, and how old are you? I'm 23. Well, of course you like Gucci. Right. <laughs> you know, um, and of course you're driven by labels because you're in a label-driven environment right right um i also look at where you stay in atlanta is a very fashion and when i say fashion i mean trend driven you know society as soon as the new as soon as tesla becomes the new hot cool thing globally everybody will be driving you know uh electric cars right right um because in atlanta because that's the new cool thing when tom ford came here to atlanta the only reason why it really took off was because Jay-Z dropped a song. Right. The majority of people here didn't know what Tom Ford or, or who he was. Personally, I like Tom Ford when he was with Gucci, where he revived Gucci. Exactly. That, that Tom Ford yeah. is the one that I can get down with. Or when he was with East, you know, with East Saint Laurent. Or, didn't so, he do a movie? Yeah, uh, Single Man. Um, so, so, again, within those, within those confines, but if I'm talking to a guy who's... So, 
actually to get back to the 22 year old if he's 22 i expect him to also like other trend driven things but for the person that i'm usually trying to cater to which is going to usually be between 28 and 40 you're you've moved into manhood and i'm also looking at your psychological ramifications at 22 your frontal cortex doesn't develop so you're still not making the best decisions across the board right you're still chasing the trends chasing the club chasing the girls and chasing the things that are quick fast doesn't really junk food a lot of times. Sometimes you get that good food and you still be like, ah, it's good, but I still would rather go get some some more candy over here, right? right. And so at 28, we're, we're finding our own identity. And so my goal for any person is to always create, help you create your identity so that it shows up because that's actually where we start is the visual. But then what happens when you're 28, 29, and you feel like you met the young lady of your dreams and she has to come back home to your house and you have a TV, big screen TV, yeah, maybe like, a couch and a box spring. <laughs> and you're 28, right? Like, or or you have a house and you your house looks like Yin Yang Twins, I don't know if everybody's gonna remember this, on Cribs. <laughs> when, when you walked into Cribs and you were like, ain't no type of furniture in here. It's a, It was two rooms with some beds. You know, so I think that that's where the difference is because then if you're telling me that you like Gucci, why do you like Gucci? Right. You like right. the G's? And again, this, this is an art, this is an artistic conversation, but if we're going to talk art, then you still need to know your media, right? You can't just go out and, and say, I'm going to paint on this type of canvas that's super smooth and then I'm going to use watercolor and then get mad that every time that you try to paint on there, it's, it's sliding down the, the canvas. So it's interesting you guys are talking about labels um, because I believe that good design and bad design are what separates. Mm -hmm. And then, then, then you fold in constructability. Like I said, I'll bring I'll bring a very technical. Um, I remember I had a very I had a very interesting conversation with an accountant. She was Russian. Her husband was Russian. Okay. She said, and this was this was right after Suit Supply launched in New York. Okay. And so I was gonna, because I remember the launch pre, you know, I was, it was GQ loaded that up and I was like, nope, GQ, still love you guys, still get the magazines, I read them um, in my leisure, uh, but I listen to podcasts all the time. And I was like, hey, you know, her, her husband wanted to go to Century 21 at the time. Okay. And said, wanted to get a, a, a label suit, like he's, it always has to be labeled. And I was like, yeah, I said, Century 21 usually gets irregulars, they usually get not those first runs, they might get like, you know, the second or third runs with the quality. Um, and it was a struggle. I mean, almost a full-fledged argument to explain to her, I was like, hey, you're just going after, because it's, it's Gucci, like, you're, you're going to, and, and actually, it was like a Gucci suit, mm -hmm. or an Armani suit, and, and it's one of those, like, that's not a good design. And well, it's not a, it, was, it wasn't a good design compared to what Suit Supply was putting out when they first launched in that. Well, I, I, and that's why I said, like, we got to be careful with saying that it's not a good design. It may not be. It, again, it's, it's, you it's have subjective. It, and it, well, it's also, it's subjective within the confines of structure. Again, that's why I say, for me, true creativity is um, ex fully expressed within parameters. And part of that would be from an interior design space. If I have a 500, squid, 500 square foot studio apartment. Yo, and, where is that at? <laughs> In New York or something, you might have something. But like, that was still big. But like, 
But if I have this small, you know, small space, that's why I love watching small space, big design, because you have to then be that much more strategic and creative yeah. with what needs to happen. So if I have a guy who says, listen, I have $2,000 for a budget for my wardrobe, what can you put me in? Then we need to have a conversation about what your, your needs are. And those, those five or six pieces that I may get may not be suit driven. They may not be sartorial driven because you don't need that. And so um, within that space, it's not about somebody who's saying um, Armani is a bad design, but Armani's cut a certain way. Um, and, and that's when we were even talking about labels, that was part of the importance. When I'm dealing with you know my, my guys, I like them to be very confined. These are labels that you need to look at because of their cut, because of their silhouette, and because of the fabrication that they generally try to steer them toward too. Um, and because of those confines, then what you start doing is you start going deeper down that rabbit hole. You start looking for um, vintage you know, pieces. I had a friend who was obsessed with Amber Crombie and Finch, and I was like, that's terrible. Why would you like Amber Crombie? Oh. Vintage Amber And then he started bringing out some stuff, and I was like, where did you get that? Vintage Amber Crombie, I get down with. But see, but see, most people would know Vintage Amber Crombie made suits, they had blazers, they had dress shirts, they had all these different types of things. They happened to find their niche in those t-shirts, the surfwear, those different types of looks, right? And so, um, it's not until we start looking at the storyline that we're also creating. It's, it's, you know, if I, in, in my house, when I'm hanging out with other different types of people's house, I'll start paying attention to the flow of, of the, the energy of a house. I've noticed that anytime I hang out with Adrian, I always am drawn to the table. And he has a beautiful living room. But even if we're watching TV, I'm at the table, my eyes are fixed to, to the TV. And part of that has been, I've realized, because the, my most memorable times there has, has been catered around food. And so, and family, um, friendship and conversation and things of that nature. Very rarely are we sitting in front of the TV watching something. Even if we're sitting in front of the TV, it's, it's for something very, very specified. And so... Even in that beautiful design, but the flow stops me right in the middle. And so it's the same thing when it comes to somebody that, that I'm putting clothes, clothing in. It can be a beautiful presentation, but somebody's usually going to say, I really like that, or I really like this. So what I'm hearing, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I got to work on my what I'm hearing too. <laughs> <laughs> is that the label has an influence, but it's not the definition of the person. So the definition of the person, you'll figure that out through getting to know them, their personality, all of that. The label is important and does have an influence, but it's not the determining factor of how you style it. Well, it shouldn't be, we hope. (laughs) So the question, with that being said, what about the polo polo boys from, like, back, you know, in their... So the polos or the low heads? Yeah, because we got to explain so, so, so for all of our listeners, we we do know that there are several tiers of Ralph Lauren. We have American Living, which is the bottom of the basement, um, J.C. Penny brand, still qualitative for the most part. Um, if you if you're on a budget, you then can move to Ralph Lauren uh, or Polo Ralph Lauren, which is going to be polos. The, you know, right. that almost the horse, the guys are wearing, sport. 
Then you can go to um, Ralph Lauren, the actual brand, which is when we start getting into blazers and um, different types of things. And this is also very limited because you still have Ralph Lauren Green. you got all different right. subsects of that. Then you move into Ralph Lauren Blue Label, which is a classic label. Ralph Lauren uh, Black Black Label. Then you have uh, RLX, which then turned which then turned into uh, Ralph Lauren Double RL. Double RL, yeah. Double RL. It kind of folded everything in together. Ralph Lauren Sports. Defunct it. Rugby, and then you have Purple Label. So, a lot of people stay around that low Ralph Lauren polo, and what they called them was, was were uh, Ralph Lauren lowheads, or they were just called lowheads. Now, Ralph Lauren had several different types of collections that were very extensive in each one of these tiers. And so, even if you're just buying a polo, you think that that's all that the offering is, but they're very extensive beachwear, snowwear, like collections that people were purchasing. And so those low heads would wear polo from literally like when you hear yeah, when you hear rappers, toe, yeah. old rappers, they, not old rappers, but I mean we're are we old now? No we're not. Oh okay. I refuse. Um <laughs> I just watched this but, recording um, lady where, feel, you feel. where where you go. where literally like you know they would have on a polo pair of sneakers, polo socks, polo jeans, polo underwear, polo, polo ruggy shirt, yeah. underneath the polo sweater, underneath the polo Bubble polo with the polo hat with and the polo, the polo goggles with the polo goggles, and so that's where I think like there's there's a, there's a subculture there, um, but that that's where I believe the label defined that individual. See, so I, for me, there there is a fusion at that point though, because now you have become a you almost become a. Was it a gang? Like, were they, were they, were they, but, to a, but to a certain degree, right, yeah. Like, like, I mean, because, again, there is a certain level of uniqueness that has to come to be that committed to a brand. There's a guy on Instagram who I happen to follow, and it's annoying to a, to a point, <laughs> right? Because he's that committed. And, I, and I'm annoyed, but, like, but I have to appreciate his commitment. Like, he'll talk about his collection of you know his edward green velvet slippers and then he may talk about his you know his hunting his hunting collection that he's collecting and what he does and the reason why i can't say that's necessarily label driven um is what he does is he looks for the actual components of the collection so i noticed that these are suede you know that they had the suede uh cargo pants mm -hmm. um i got those but now i'm missing the you know the plaid uh, the plaid sweater with so the, he, the elbow pad. Is he looking to do a whole collection, or is he looking like through a vintage catalog and says, "Hey, I want this entire look." No, he's co he's collecting. Um, so the label in that space has meaning mm -hmm. for him. That's not necessarily creating. It's reinforcing his his identity because his identity is saying, "I am very uh, committed, for lack of a right. better term, to to this label." Now. What I would then devise from that is that you're probably very committed in other areas of your life. Like, I don't feel like those people who are that that tuned in to a label are... are untuned to everything else. That they just let everything else unravel. Now, that I've seen those, but that's very rare. And so, for me, when I was, when I was you know, uh, a person who was infatuated with the whole Ralph Lauren, you know, aesthetic... <laughs> Ralph, Ralph Lauren, Loren, for some of you highbrow people. Um, for me, 
none of my none of my Ralph stuff had labels on it, but it was very distinct in its cut and in its presentation. So much so that it created a bit of a fraternity for me, because you would be walking past somebody and they'd be like, "Hey, that's that's that twenty that's that twenty twelve, right?" And you'd be like, "You just kind of give them a nod, like, yeah, you got." And I'll, I'll be honest, that is a very good feeling um, when you're walking, like, yeah, when you're walking down, because I have um, a little bit of a uh, of a polo collection. Excuse me, I have a little bit of a Ralph Lauren collection, especially their uh, his polo university, mm-hmm. um, Michelangelo's nickname is the Urban Professor. Um, <laughs> And so it just happens to fit, uh, yes, yes, <laughs> but um, you know that's a really good feeling when 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 someone recognizes like, hey, is, is that Polo University? Like, and, it, yeah. and, 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 and so you know, I don't like it when people see that interior when the people walk in. And granted, you know, my house has a certain my space has a certain design, but when people come in, like, this just feels right. Like, and and so the what I wanted to ask Michelle was. Do you feel, do you have people as far as clients that have that same commitment? Like, I am committed to everything beige. Everything must be beige. Um, and do you have people commit to actual brands? Because that's, that is something that I'm starting to see in interior designs that brands are starting to emerge more regularly. Like there, there is a, you know, um, a CB2. There is a full concept brand now. It, it, what, you know, then, then there's also like the vintage, and there are like the, the, the Danish, you know, the mid-century modern movement is, is roaring back. And those IKEA folks. Um, and right, those IKEA folks like live and die by it. Um, I, uh, out this whole them. thing is IKEA. I'm going to IKEA tomorrow. Plug. Okay. Um, but um, are are you seeing that where you have um someone who's defined by a label, or is it more so a look or a color? Like, hey. I've always had beige stuff, and I, all I want is beige and sandstone. Even though that could be a filthy look if you do it right. But um, his mind is creativity. Right? Right yeah, uh, we can make that happen. <laughs> beige and that sandstone. Well, like I said, it's it's all about listening to them and what they want. Um, so mainly, a lot of people are uh, style driven. They're not really. Um, they do sometimes say, "Oh, I can't do colors, or I can't do patterns, or." You know, like, I can't, can't do that. It has to be plain, this color, and that's it. Um, yeah, neutrals, neutrals. Like, I hear that all the time. Um, I don't let that deter me, though, from something more creative. I kind of always give them a little push. Um, I, I do it in a gentle way where mostly everything will be neutral, and then I'll have that pop of color mm-hmm. or that one pattern. Or I'll even introduce texture because sometimes they don't even do texture. It'll just be everything's flat. <laughs> and like, so, <laughs> if you can't see this, my hand just slid down all the way to this chair. So, um, I'm saying straight up. Back, um, being that I work for West Elm, a lot of people um, they go to West Elm because of the style, because it mm-hmm. is mid-century modern. Um, so I do have on like really rare occasions people go, I don't want everything to be West Elm. Can you design outside of West Elm? <laughs> And so Your eyes light up? <laughs> Why, yes, I do. So I will suggest things, but I'm not going to sit there because I have multiple titles at my job. She's not, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, West Elm. She she definitely never points anybody anywhere else. <laughs> she completely stays in West Elm. Um, I mean, if something doesn't work, I'm going to be completely honest. Regardless, yes, West Elm can listen to this. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we, we not, we're not dry snitching over here, is all I'm saying. If something doesn't work, I'm not going to force it to. 
Mm-hmm. If, there, if there is a piece that I feel like would be better in their home from another label, CBT, whatever, um, I would definitely suggest they go there. I always tell customers, you don't you don't have to stay committed to what we have here at West right. South. But as far as color, um, being color-driven or anything like that, I think that um, a lot of people are visual and mm-hmm. they need to see the design in order to really say, oh, am I really not, am I really just a neutral person? Am I really just like, do I really not like that? Like, like I because, told you so. <laughs> because a lot of the time they think that that's what they want. Um, I had a customer that she noticed something about herself. Mm-hmm. She was like, I get everything and it's brown. And she was like, and I, yeah, and she was like I really, I really don't yeah. like it though. Like she was like, I but I naturally go towards it. Right. And I was like, okay, well, we'll find a balance and make it work. Mm-hmm. If that's something you naturally go, go towards, then we'll, we'll balance it out with cool colors. So we'll get textiles that are like in blues yep. and things like that. We'll take away from the brown by putting in more new, um, cool colors. You know, that's something that you always kind of divert with. And that's, again, right. going back to the whole listening yep. factor. You have to listen to them. Um, yeah, they might be like, I'm just a neutral, but they, you can suggest it. No, I was about to say, that's, well, that's definitely not to be a future conversation is colors and creativity. Uh, because even within that energy, um, how, how does... What mood do you want to set in the room? Exactly. Like, what, what do you yeah. want to feel when you walk in? What do yeah. you do every day? Yeah. Like, what, exactly. you know, all of those questions are things that I ask. Yeah, they may be personal. Yeah, people may be like, okay, you shouldn't be asking those yeah. questions. But I feel like I need to know that. You're yeah. coming to me for advice. You're saying... You're, you are giving me value, mm-hmm. first of all, by saying that I need, I need your help. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. so you need my help. Let me Let kind me of help guide you. you. And so Let me help guide you. you. And, so. that, and that's where I think people really don't understand creativity and design of your physical space, how that affects your energy. Like how that, you know, people don't understand how I could describe a space as being sexy. Like, you know, that is a sexy-ass apartment. But that's people, your perspective. Right, but it, it, it definitely is my perspective. But well, like, if that's but it's it's interesting, especially too though, if that's the goal, right? Because again, if you walk into a space, ladies and gentlemen, just go ahead and set the mood. You know, you walk into a space. You know what I'm saying? I'll be mean, have some have some pianos playing and some sax, right. right? But if you walk into a space and tungsten light instead of fluorescent light is setting, uh, is setting the lighting, you walk in and you have beautiful uh marble you're temp- purposely creating so if i'm yeah i'm creating these things and then even when it comes to sexiness is is it more masculine driven mm-hmm. are the you know are the edges more hard and more angular mm-hmm. or are they softer so a big part of design. yeah absolutely and so i think so even in those spaces when you're talking about something being sexy Curvy. Yeah, curvy. things that are curvy. <laughs> so, I mean, like, so, so I, I, and so that's there is a female and male furniture. Exactly. There is. There is. I mean, that's and that's where you know. I, I, Ladies, uh, you know, I'm never against some uh, <laughs> some nice some nice curvy furniture. I'm just still single out here. <laughs> just saying. Okay. But um, <laughs> but no. So like, I just you know, sometimes I feel like you know, I feel like that energy or that. There's a miss with 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 certain clients of, hey, you you say you want everything brown, browns can be super heavy. You want this? I'm gonna call it frumpy old couch. Like 
that's going to weigh the room down. Is that what you want? You have to describe that in detail. And, and, that's, and, 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 and it's, I think it's that level of self-awareness. Like, hey, is that really what you want? Is that is that what you want, the energy you want? Do you want your bedroom to be super white and everything? So like, hey, I, I need to be, uh, you know, awakened. Or do you want it like a cave? Like how I like, I prefer mine, like that that cave where everything's just dark, the, the low tungsten lights, you know, mm -hmm. all the soft textures and everything, um, 65 degree temperature set. Um, As you can see, he's very, <laughs> very uh, analytical. Or do you very know, particular? Do, do you want? Do you need your? You know? Do you need your, your your kitchen to fully function and also you know create that high energy because you have you have three little ones running around. Yeah. You, you know? Do you need your your sunroom? Do you need your reading room? Um, to be to have a certain feel of calm and peace and everything. And, and I think that. Um, we as creatives owe our clients that to under, to make sure they understand the energy when they when they communicate their needs and wants to us that we need to understand and relate back to them. Hey, this is the energy that you're putting out. Absolutely. Is that what you want? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and that happens all the time. Like that yeah. that's something that I'm pretty sure you you've experienced too. Yeah. When, when people go, oh, this is what I have. Uh, what do you think? I mean, they're asking your opinion. Yeah, you, yeah. you should tell them, this is what I feel when I see this. Mm -hmm. So that they get the perspective of, oh, that's what I'm, that's what kind of energy I'm shooting out. Exactly. Like, they'll, they'll then become aware. Mm -hmm. The first step is actually them coming to you. Like, yeah, the fact right. that they can even come to you is like, hey, I noticed something is up. Like, something's not right. They're being more self-aware that they need a creative mindset mm -hmm. to be more helpful and to kind of like make, they always say something's not right. That's mm -hmm. what I always get. Right. Something they go, you know what? I have done this. I've done that. I'm pretty good with design, but just something's not, not right. right. Yeah. They yeah. will yeah. always say that, and it's because they're not understanding the language mm -hmm. that there are even the message or or feel energy, whatever you want to call it, is sending out to a guest that's coming into their home or right. even to themselves. Like yeah, they're definitely. like, I really don't know what I'm feeling. And then well, I don't ever like going into my living room. I just right. don't like being in there. Everything's beige. Right. Right. But, but even in that conversation. But you listen and then you give that advice. Well, it's funny that even in that conversation, right, even when we're talking about beige or brown, like I have a lot of brown. What type of brown do you have? Do you have mm -hmm. chocolate brown? Do you have cocoa brown? Do you have coffee brown? Do you have doodoo brown? Like, right. listen, like. I use that example all the time. Yeah, like, Where? yeah, but I mean, <laughs> or I like I beige. Do. So do you like eggshell or crude? Do you like right. off-white? Like, there, I mean, beige. Is, is beige, right. but yeah. it has a very sandstone, has, yeah, like limestone, which aren't the same. Yeah, like, exactly. So it, you know, it's it's so funny when, even from a fashion standpoint, Devil Wears Prada. I'm not ashamed to say, very favorite movie I just watched the other day. <laughs> one of my favorites um, was when Miranda and uh, and uh, her team are in the uh, doing a, a look, and you know she's like, oh, but. Uh, she, she's holding up one of her assistants holding up the belt. She's like, I don't know which one. They're both so different, and they're both blue or teal, really more right. teal belts. And um, I always forget her name. Uh, whoever Anna uh, and Anne Hathaway. Intern. Yes, whoever Anne Hathaway's character is playing laughs. She's right. like, what's so different about it? And Miranda takes her down this conversation of takes her down a deep rabbit hole. Yeah. And, and smacks her in the face with how important cerulean, not just teal, but cerulean, right? I don't even know where that falls on Pantone, right? <laughs> but like 
has influenced her her look. And so again, it is those little things like when you start studying the psychology of color and what color actually does when it's on you mm-hmm. versus when it's around you. And even if you start talking to some people, we're going really deep down the rabbit hole into a, a conversation about the energetic, you know, esoteric element. Um, you know, some dream um, dream interpreters have said, you know, you got to be careful about sleeping under, you know, particular types of sheets mm-hmm. and particular types of, of, of throws because they can uh, elicit different types of dream states. My grandmother always says, don't sleep on your back, you'll have nightmares. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so these different types of things, um, then when you start talking about what happens when I go into to Ralph Lauren, I see, because Ralph Lauren has one look that I'm super obsessed with. I'm going to get it at some point. But it's a, uh, a violet uh, throw um, with, like, I think they had, like, a fur. Uh, no, so I'm not, I'm sorry, not a, a, a throw. It was a um, bedspread. Duvet mm-hmm. cover? Well, the duvet. Let's go into yes. those details. Yes, let's get into those details. The duvet, the duvet is velvet. Mm-hmm. They have a bedspread that um, was like a was like a tucked, a tucked like deep rich plaid, and then the sheets were cheetah print. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is all types of extra <laughs> silk, um, silk throw pillows on the bed, right? Um, and I was like, yeah, exactly, yeah, yes, to all of that. Um, and it evokes a mood. It evokes mm-hmm. a feeling when you walk in there, like, exactly. and that is, and that is the energy that I want to create mm-hmm. when that person steps in. Cause only two people stepping in there, <laughs> <laughs> myself and somebody, you know, some lucky woman, somebody special, you know what I'm saying? Um, if, if you're out there, call in. <laughs> right. But in that, but in that conversation, there is the lead. And so even with our mutual friend who put me on candles, like setting this this full tone is no different than again if I'm if you're the well just dude who then gets to the house and you you created no no ambiance. Yeah. It's exactly. it's continuity. Like that's what exactly. it is. It's, it's one of those like you can't be that guy. And I'll use it I'll use Atlanta as an example. You can't be that guy. You got you know you Gucci down. And everything, you Gucci down. You got the Louis, you got the Louis loafers on. You, know, you out here, you think you, you out here mismatching with the Gucci and the Louis? Okay. <laughs> you think you? Fly. I mean, it's a Gucci suit, so nobody oh. really knows. It's oh, it's a Gucci, Gucci suit. suit. Okay, I thought you meant like the Gucci no, 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 like no, no, top no, no, and no. bottom with the jeans. Right, right, right. So you you, you, you know, you get you get in your your 745, your 750L. Okay. And you, you drive, you know, to your, to your nice little townhouse, and you walk in. In 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 uh, Atlantic Station, the ones right, right down. <laughs> I was throwing I was throwing Dunwoody out there. It's like so you you know you, Oh no, you you go to Atlantic Station. You go to Atlantic Station, right. Right. You go to Atlantic Station, you know, you still you still got your Gucci frames on at night, like I'm I'm really out here firing shots, but and you you you, you and the young lady step in and the space is super sterile. And not sterile like, hey, this is very clean, white space like how um Layer Cake was when he when uh, Daniel Craig was dreaming and he was uh, he was in a pharmacy that was very sterile. Like that's one different look, but very sterile as far as like yo, you've done nothing since you moved into this apartment. Oh, yeah. So you have all that, and there's a break in the continuity, and you expect results based on like, hey, I done, you know, we went for dinner, like we had the movie, like you know, we had the dessert, we had the drinks afterwards. Well, there is like, continuity in that though, right? Like, 
because and that's the thing is like we want to be we want this to not we necessarily but I think a lot of people want stuff to be right or wrong or black and white. There is continuity in that beige date he just had because I guarantee you that dude who opted in a seven fifty right he he got it because. Everybody else got a 750. And I got it's a, white too. I'm, and it's I'm white, shot right? And so then he took her to to to. Benny Hanna. Wow. Uh, see, I was, I, I was like, dang. I was, low key, I was about to say, I was about to say Dolce, but like, yeah, or Houston's, like, yeah, Houston's, right? Um, and then you got the 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 hot meal, and then you got some hen, right, or whatever. You know, that top crown. wine, right? See, <laughs> so I did wine, and then you had crown. Yeah, you had a crown, but it was the top tier crown because you have no access to any other type of whiskeys, or you know, you don't necessarily know how to lead in with a a wine finished with a nightcap or a highball or any of those type of oh, things, yeah. right? And so then you get her back to the house, and yes, he went to the best, best quote unquote furniture store, the most expensive, mm-hmm. and so there's continuity. I've done everything that is superficially driven right. versus the person who you walk into his house and you like, listen, hey, yo, why do I want to, um, let me sit down and we, you know when a lady does this and I was rubbing, when you, she starts rubbing on your stuff, you be like, oh yeah, she ain't going nowhere. Right. Like, so I hope that you want her to stay around because she's not going anywhere. But then the music is usually right. Then the little subtleties are, are, are right. Hey, do you want a glass of wine? Sure, I love a glass of wine. And he's bringing out the right, the right wine glasses. Right type of wine glasses that are going to fit the red wine or the, the white wine that he's going to, to he's going to have. When you lay down on the sheets, they're not silk sheets or two hundred thread count sheets, but they fit the the vibe that we're trying to create. It's cold as fuck outside. I don't want no two hundred thread count sheets. I want, I want some flannel I want, sheets. I want, I want okay, I want those cashmere. Cashmere. See, he fancy. Like I want some, but but you so so there is continuity within that that creates again going you know coming back full circle that creates a unique type of energy. If I'm entertained, again one of the things I love about Adrian's household is that the flow creates a, a very seamless um, circular type of environment because there everything is compact where that island is the table is. So if I need to get up to get some more, that second helping, and it's very easy to get up, go around, and then still interact with everybody that may be within that space. And so I think that creativity, when we're when we're talking about both home and and style, you know, or personal style, um, is that is that consistent circulation of your character always showing up. You know, when a woman walks into a man's house, no matter how well put together it is and how intentional it was when she says this needs a woman's touch that may mean that there's certain things that we've missed that speak to the feminine presence not again whether you stay or you go would it be would it speak to the feminine presence or would it speak to more of a balance because i've seen a lot of that where yeah but where it's, yeah, that it, balance. It's where but feminine usually we're overly masculinizing right situation. everything's hardwood everything's leather yes. everything looks like uh it's great black no, but yeah, absolutely no color. Who are you out here talking? <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I, that's that's what I see a lot when I design for guys, and I know they're bachelors, and they're like bachelors. <laughs> like, I'm out here. Right, like, I'm, I'm out here. I'm out here in they Atlanta. They all want the same type of style, mm-hmm. and when I design it, they're like, "Oh my God, you're spot on." Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so you're so spot on. No kidding. 
everything is very contemporary looking, mm, very clean right. lined, very black. No, as a woman. Dark colors, dark colors, everything dark colors. No, as a woman, help these photos out. Balance it out, honey. And, and, and would you want to be in that space? I mean, see, that's the difference between me, but because I do design, I can appreciate mm. what, like, a masculine style. Okay. I can, but I'm the type of person that also will change everything every six months. So, <laughs> I hey, can, listen. <laughs> because I design, though, because it gets kind of hard when I'm sitting there designing people's house, and I'm like, oh, this will look good in my space. You know, like, I... Like, or I get, like, their vibe kind of comes mm. off, and I'm like, ooh, I like this vibe. I want this vibe in my house. Mm. Like, that's something that I tend to do. I do like a lot of different styles. I'm not subject to one. That's not feminine, right. but which that, is interesting. I'm not subject to one at all. But interesting so. that you say that it's that's feminine presence, mm-hmm. right? When we start talking about femininity mm. and creativity and the creative process, it is a, which is, again, so anybody who knows me knows that I've always said that fashion is feminine. Style is masculine. Mm-hmm. And people be like, oh my God, that's so sexist. I can't believe that you would <laughs> say that. But fashion is trend oriented. Both men and women have masculine and feminine energy. But fashion is a trend. And if you talk to a lot of young ladies, no lady is going to. How long have you had your hair bald for? It's been some, some years? 2011. So, okay, so we're looking at seven years. I don't foresee that changing anytime <laughs> soon. So, right, there's a very masculine understanding of his style. I can argue that, though, because what if the female Mm -hmm. is bisexual or something? So she would like, like, her natural energy Mm -hmm. would like some things that are feminine and some things that are masculine. Well, that's the conversation is that we both, like I said, we both internalize masculine and feminine energy. So it's an interesting conversation when you're talking to somebody who may be a heterosexual female but has very masculine energy. Mm -hmm. So her masculine energy is much more uh pronounced mm-hmm. but she still is very much like yo i love men and I, and all those different types of things so i'm not necessarily talking about the sexual nature of a person but their energy can um create transition so generally speaking if i'm talking to a young lady mm-hmm. her hairstyle is probably not going to remain consistent like Never. anna wintour <laughs> 20 year 30 years actually that she's maintained the same exact cut of her hair, like, exactly. So a lot of young ladies be like, yo, that's mad weird, but it's made her iconic, right? Because of the commitment and she has a very masculine energy, right? And so within that same space, I think that what a lot of fellas miss is tapping into the feminine energy. I'm not talking about you quote unquote tapping into your feminine side, but understanding that a seducer is creating a comfortable environment for the the young lady that he is dealing with so that then when she feels those very assertive hands Mm -hmm. or that very assertive move she was like how the hell did i end up up in this new bed (laughs) well i was setting the scene so that's what i'm saying is if i'm dealing with a a young lady who has more masculine energy that's great that but again when it comes to um her transitioning if we look at the moon, which is often, you know, associated with feminine energy, Absolutely. we have the new moon. We have the what we are we the in? The, what are we in the full? Are we, um, what are we in the full? Is it full? Are we, I think we're in a new moon. I don't know. I gotta. No, it was, it was full. It was full yesterday. It was full. Because we're in a super moon right now. I knew we were in a super, but I. But okay, it's almost full, I think. 
So hey, let's let's wrap this episode up. Um, episode five, we finally got it right. I'm glad you got your um, energy back. I know, right? <laughs> I, I was a little Debbie Downer earlier, like you know, I was defeated. Um, but now I'm back, you know, rising out of the ashes like a phoenix. I'm sorry, let me get sidetracked. But um, as always, we're going to finish and we're going to close out our um, podcast episode with um, our post-it notes. Um, this is something that's very interesting and unique to us. Um, yeah, we, <laughs> we will um, we will be true gentlemen here. We'll, we'll, we'll let uh, our guest and lady um, of the of the the podcast to um, go first with her post-it notes. Okay, my post-it note says creative influence can only flourish with an open mind. Mm. <laughs> you gotta let that you, you gotta let that marinate a little bit. You wanna you wanna put some sauce on that? You wanna put okay. a little bit of um so pretty much just being like the whole topic that we've been talking about is just having an open mind, listening to like if you're gonna be creative and you're gonna be creative um and helping someone also be creative, you have to listen. You have to be able to listen to them and their needs and um take more of a personal um note from them every single time because that's what's going to make you more creative if you stay in your own closed mind um and you're not open to anyone else's ideas or style then you're not going to go anywhere um you're not going to be able to cater to multiple personalities um different people um just it makes you more diverse to have an open mind when it comes to creativity good mine echoes something very similar um my post-it note is uh, just because people don't like it doesn't mean it's not good. Mm-hmm. So as, as a creative, we sometimes are too rely, reliable on opinion of others and them quantify or quality, them justifying and putting value to our own creative. Just because people don't like it doesn't mean it's not dope. Um, you know, I, I struggle with that sometimes in my creative, like, oh, I put out something not, it, especially on IG, it got three likes, and I'm like, it's still dope. Like, <laughs> it's still, it's still dope. So that that's my post note. Just because people don't like it doesn't mean it's not dope. All right, so I'm gonna consolidate mine because they were saying my post note was too long. They're talking about me that my post note was too long. Um, but essentially, that style is your reflection, um, and. Just, was that better? That was great. Okay. <laughs> Style is your reflection because it is a mirroring of who you are. Um, and it speaks to your creativity. And as Michelle, you know, so eloquently put in the beginning, everybody has it. Even if you think that it is conservative or dull or mundane, that is all an expression. Mm-hmm. Um, it just And so just make sure that you are elevating that to the to, to its most refined, its most consistent and its most congruent um, uh, point of view so that you can get um, the most out of it. Um, and then you'll be all set to go. So we want to thank everyone um, who joined in and listening. Um, we had major technical difficulties, but you know what? I can't say that word. Um, we're going to go ahead and just... Have him say it. <laughs> no, I mean, just fuck that shit. You oh, know? Like, I, I swear, oh. this is some bullshit. Um, he going to church on Sunday. Right, but I'm. I, yes. Listen, we're not gonna. Should I do? It? I'm not gonna do a rant. I'm not gonna do any rant. I'm not gonna do any rant. Save that for Anchor. Right. right. Shout out to I'm, Anchor. 
we, we haven't, you know what, and, and it could very well be operate error, but I'm not going to accept that excuse right now in this moment. Tomorrow morning might be a different story. Um, we want to thank everyone for, um, for listening to us. Um, we want to thank um, Miss Michelle for, for toughening it out with um, the technical difficulties. She's 32, Libra. Um, like long walks in the park. <laughs> right. Long walks in the park. Right. Like Anything poetry. romantic. Right. Yeah. There you go. Get him. So see. Um, it's good. So, it's good to know that you ladies are still here. I mean, you right. guys have a podcast about that. About romance. The mm-hmm. cri- so that would be a very. We not. We not jumping that. And we not jumping. No, that I, I'm. I'm that daring. Oh, well, you, I am that daring. I mean, Valentine's Day is coming up. You know what? I think that would be a great. I am that daring. And bring the Aries. Right, and let, let's do it in a room full of women. I'm that daring. Like, oh, yeah, if, if you if you're going down with me, if I'm going down, though. Oh yeah, we can do that. I mean, I, first of all, he's saying he's going down, but all he has to do is go down to his wife. Like, I'm gonna be out here looking. No, like, my see opinion, if you date ever again. Like, and, no, my opinions are, are on certain things are very strong, and I just look at things a certain way. Um, not right, wrong, and different, but I I think that. Um, I would do that because also I would challenge all the young gentlemen out there who are, because I obviously I'm a little older than, than some of these young thundercats. He has a lot of gray in the beard that's showing. These are his these are lessons like I mean yeah, it's, a lot it's of, gray. Um, but he's not that he's not old, but he just, <laughs> he just looks that way. Um, <laughs> we are definitely going to do that. Pot. I'm, I'm making a note right before Valentine's Day. We will do that's a. Very um, a very interesting podcast, and we will have some of these uh, issues ironed out. Um, but uh, thank you. <laughs> catch us on um, Instagram, jump down a rabbit hole on IG. Um, catch us on Twitter, uh, JDHR, JDRH um, podcast at Twitter. Um, if you would like to, Michelle, if you want to say, you know, where can they find you? Where can they find you um, if they want to? Always there. Come see her and get your interiors. Done. Right. Uh, um, one day I will have my own interior design business. So yes, come get a little taste of it right now. That's why she's affordable. Yep. Right. While I'm. Oh, she knocks your head off. So, um, thank you, everyone. Um, this uh, uh, podcast was recorded on January fourth, two thousand eighteen, um, in the PM. Uh, good night.